Hey everyone, Kurt Cobain's autopsy report has been leaked to the public for the first time ever, which has only added fuel to the conspiracy fire. So, did Kurt Cobain actually kill himself? Why did they do the autopsy within 24 hours of his death and then cremate his body before a toxicity report came back? We'll check out what the private investigator who was hired by Cobain's wife, Courtney Love, had to say. Also on this Friday Night Live with us, Ben and Rob, we'll get into how mainstream science is discussing if we'll ever consider the occult occult as science. It's a hard word, I know. And and how a new Loch Ness Monster video has emerged. Sorry, Ben, read. Yeah. And, And also how archaeologists are finding strange ancient objects that have a mysterious Perfect. purpose. <laughs> We're doing great here already. And more. Also, be sure not to miss the top 10 weirder news of the week segment and the dig deep live Q&A only on Rise.TV. And with that, we'll see you out on the edge of uh, just a perfectly run show. how are you doing rob pretty good i I blew past your paragraph and then yeah yeah we're in good shape already yeah um also if you're listening to our edge of wonder podcast on spotify apple podcast or elsewhere elsewhere please leave us a five-star rating and review to help us reach even more people also remember to like Follow, subscribe on YouTube. Well, yeah, YouTube, Rumble, Ganjing World, X, and Facebook. Yeah, anywhere we are. Anywhere we are. That's right. All righty. How you doing, Ben? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm in New York um, just uh, traveling for a little bit and going to meet with our team here next week, too. That's in New York. Um, But this room I'm in is like a cathedral it seems like it's I hear like that. very high ceiling and i wasn't thinking about that when i was setting everything up i'm like i feel like getting... right now if you were to say the word amen you might start floating in your seat <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's very uh yeah it, just, yeah it wouldn't even help putting like blankets or anything on the walls they're too high so but it's a nice setting at least but sorry so if my voice is a little bit echoey that's why well, hey, we got but a few right. funny and interesting things to uh, to show you guys. What's what do we got on the list here? Okay, to we're gonna honest. hit a ter- we're gonna hit Eternal Flames first, from what I hear. What is this? This is an Eternal Flame. There's only nine Eternal Flames in the entire world, and this one's inside of a waterfall. Take a look. What? Is this real? I mean, I guess. What does that mean exactly? Where is this? So this is a man-made eternal flame with their long-standing traditions in many cultures, often serving to memorialize Check this out. This is an eternal flame. Really or symbol of religious aspects. Hmm. So I guess that means that once they light this, that it doesn't go out. Yeah, so there's natural gas coming up down from down below, I guess, there. And it never, it just never shuts off. That's really interesting, though. Where exactly are they is the question. That is the question. So it says that there are only nine natural eternal flames in the world. Um, there are at least 11 um, for... But they're saying they found 11. I don't know. 
Yeah, that's the biggest well, guess, one there. So when it means man-made, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone liked that. It just means that it, it, it like either natural gas caused it to, to be on fire or something like that. I never, I didn't even know about these. So I guess that's where uh, Bengals got their, maybe their inspiration. I guess so. Just <laughs> All right, what do we got here? Florida Dude, man. Trash. Oh, Florida man. We're going to do this. This is actually a little bit like a year or so, maybe, but it's oh, okay. typical in Florida. Yeah. One of these days, right. I want to do this too. Oh, yeah, I've seen this. It's crazy how just putting the lid down, he was able to like get him to to go inside. Yeah, so this part, he's really smart how he oh, yeah. does this. He just kind of dumps it and runs. <laughs> I, I would too. I know. It's funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. So we do have a uh, Mandela effect this week. We'll get into. Figured wow. since we're talking about Kurt Cobain, we'll bring this one up. You know, and I'm sorry, you guys. It, it's possible we might have presented this one on the show in the past. I don't think we. No, we did. haven't. I'm pretty we sure did. it was a long time ago, though. But I think it was a long time ago because I looked in our notes and I didn't see anything in our notes. So if we did, it was like when we still had our YouTube channel. So right. The big question. There's a very famous photo shoot revolving um, Nirvana. Kurt Cobain specifically wearing a very specific jacket. And what kind of jacket does everyone remember? So most of the photos kind of in black and white, but there were some colored ones too. And he's wearing his white glasses and he's wearing, I think even the hat might've changed to be honest. Mm. But um, so what, like what most people remember and specifically me, I remember a, a fluffy pink coat that he was wearing with white glasses. And yes, this is Confirm. now what he's wearing. What? <laughs> yeah, it's a leopard print jacket. And I do not remember this. But wait, all. is this just a different image? Because this is no. a sweater. This isn't even a jacket, dude. Well, that okay. So, um, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Sorry. The, the, this is it. So let me explain the image on the right here. Somebody recreated digitally to show us what we all remember, what it looked like. The image on the left is what it is now. No. This is, this is the actual image, the famous image. No. And I don't remember this. I don't remember that either. Print jacket. <laughs> it's really weird. That's bizarre. And this again this is like what again this is just a pure this is not real this this is like somebody this is basically what i remember though yeah yeah it's like saying like yes this is what we all remember and and i remember specifically and like 
Because it was it, shaggy like that one that you saw in that other picture. Yeah, too. the one that this person made here isn't quite right. No, the, the it's, it's a different. It's not it's, the right type yeah, of jacket. It, it's more shaggy like that. It was like this. This is exactly like this, and it was also more pink. Um, and so Lindsay, can you show these two photos? There's two different photos of these different girls posing as Kurt Cobain wearing these jackets. So like this is one. This is just like a photo shoot with this like model that she's kind of recreating. Yeah, she's got the glasses and the shaggy. Yeah, this is another one. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't exist. The photo does not exist. You can you can look anywhere up on anywhere. And, That's and it. again, That's this is also a photo that somebody took saying like I like they got the jacket because they were inspired by Kurt Cobain and now it doesn't exist. <laughs> I yeah, I even have friends who got that jacket with those glasses back in like '96 or '97. I did too, man. Like there was a lot of girls that were. It was it was kind of like an in thing to like wear these like fluffy jackets, and a lot of people were wearing them, especially at my school and my high school. Especially, at that time. especially in the late '90s, it was yeah. like such a thing. Like yeah, like even up to 2000, everyone was wearing that. Like that ain't right, yeah. man. It is really it. Def, this is one. This is definitely one that, that's weird me out. And it actually, it made me re kind of think about his death as I was like looking at all. You know, it's so. Before we get it, we're, we're going to explain all this stuff. But what's so weird today? Kurt Cobain just popped in my head today, and I, you know, and, I, and like Alice in Chains released their like 30, 30 year anniversary album for for. Um, Wait, what do you mean they released it? The lead singer's dead. Well, they, they re-released the album after 30 years. They had a special okay. anniversary re release. And so for some reason, I don't know, Kurt Cobain was, was in my mind today. And I just looked like earlier this morning and I just looked up like I just Kurt Cobain's death. And then this autopsy report came out today. That's <laughs> crazy. So weird. That's a weird sink. Yeah. So oh, then, I, then I started looking at it deeper and then I started thinking like, man, I, I, I just kind of wonder if there's any Mandela effects around his death, because there's a lot of weird things going on, which we'll get into a little bit later in, um, after we kind of dive into it. But, um, but first we do have a meta metaphysical minute. So why don't we get into that? And, um, Rob, you're going to yeah. tell us about the Jersey devil. <laughs> right. All right, you guys got to see this. This is a cool one. The Jersey Devil is photographed in Pennsylvania. This is a real photograph of the Jersey Devil here. I, which I'm could be both, man. To be fair, we're not right. sure. I'm kind of curious what you think about this. Well, I mean, we our depth perception could be off, and that just could be a bird or a buzzard closer to the windshield, honestly. But because look how focused it is, and look how unfocused the trees are. But it's still pretty cool. I would agree. This I mean, yeah, if this thing was taken, if the guy who took it is is honestly took it because they saw something over there in the distance. I mean, this is a massive thing whatever this is if it's over the the trees like that because look how far those trees are away and look at the wingspan on that thing that's like a 20 foot wingspan dude yeah he so the guy who took it he's a 32 year old construction worker 
And he said at first he just thought it was like a giant vulture. But then he said it, it's, it was like too big to be a vulture. So. No, no. I think some people are saying no way is that a bird by the distance. Like I agree if yeah. it was, the, if it's there, but if the bird is much closer because it's, that thing is more in focus. And then the background, like it, it, sometimes depth perception plays a trick on you. So there is a chance that it's depth perception, but of course I really hope that this is a real photo. Yeah, me too. Yeah. They, they said they, because they pull it up again, Lindsay, and can yeah, you zoom but, in on the, um, that area, like really close. I guess what they said was that it, it so actually crazy. had some kind of like, they said it bat like wings and goat like features that they, they actually saw this. They were totally convinced. They said it, it didn't look like any known bird that they've ever seen before. And they knew about the Jersey devil. And so they actually thought maybe they saw the Jersey devil. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. Okay, yeah, actually, um, why don't we just play a trailer uh, now because it's yeah, related we're to this. Um, we've got a, we did a whole episode on the Jersey Devil, you guys. So if you haven't, if you're interested in the Jersey Devil and you want to hear some crazy stuff, <coughs> definitely check this out. What has hooves, a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail? It's the Jersey Devil. The mysterious cryptid that haunts the forests and skies of New Jersey. But this beast has a story beyond legend. Locals actually claim to be descendants of the original Jersey Devil. What unexplainable things have happened that would convince anyone this creature is lurking in the shadows? Why were Ben Franklin and Teddy Roosevelt part of the story? What kind of devilish winged lizard beings are really hiding out in the cosmos? Are all claims of the Jersey Devil just a hoax? It's time to crack open the edge files and pull out one of our most classified cases yet. As we ask, is this flying fiend real? Find out all about it in Tales of the Cryptids, Episode 2, The Jersey Devil. Only on edgeofwonder.tv. Well, hey, do you like our work and you think we're doing a pretty good job? Um, we'd really appreciate it uh, if you'd like to buy us a couple of cups of coffee, which is all a Rise TV subscription cost, and you get access to all of this content on Rise.tv, uh, such as the Jersey Devil um, episode that we just showed you, and all kinds of crazy stuff that we've researched throughout the history of Ben and I being in front of the camera. We've got, <laughs> gosh, that reptilian. Actually, you just talking about cryptids. That reptilian series we did recently was really mind-blowing because it actually brings out articles from all over the country where there were these weird reptilian sightings. And it gives you a really different, bizarre take on the entire thing. Uh, so that's a really good one, too. Um, yeah, so many things, like uh, Freemason Insider Interview, the big oil industrial complex. That was really interesting. Um, all kinds of stuff. If you're interested in prophecies, we've gone through prophecies like nobody has. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just all really super interesting stuff in context of all the stuff that's happening right now in the world. So definitely check us out if you haven't and uh, think about supporting our work and getting access to all this cool content. Yeah. Yeah. We have so many videos like 
few hundred at least, maybe even yeah. 400. We have a lot. Oh, nice. Totally. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some of the uh, the news or some of the interesting things before we dive into Kurt Cobain here. But I, I found this article, Will Scientists Be Forced to Consider the Occult as Science? Now, this is kind of fascinating. It just kind of goes into all these different things that are kind of happening in recent events. Um, so like one of the things it mentions is like how the, the, the scandal at Harvard university with, with their, their president um, who had, who was forced to resign. And um, based on like certain things she said and what they found out was that there was some plagiarism, plagiarism that, that happened with that. But her response was that um, that she had con failed to convey my truth. This is this is her quote. And so this this article is kind of interesting because it basically kind of gets into how our culture is kind of changing. And it mentions that the University of I'm not sure I pronounce this Ex Ex Exeter, I think, in Britain now proposes to offer a master's Exeter. degree yeah. Exeter. Okay. It now proposes to offer a master's degree in witchcraft, magic, the occult science that raises a question. Will science um, faculties and publications be forced to accept witchcraft as science? Understandably readers might scoff at the idea, but then, so I'll get back to like why they kind of mentioned this with this woman at the beginning. But then it says, but wait, as a proclaimer of public truths, science may prove as a, as valid, as vulnerable as religion. So, and it goes into it, you know, at Davos, they had that person kind of doing some of the, which <laughs> the, the whatever they were doing. I don't want to say, I mean, you know, some people were like witchcraft. Some people were like, you know, it was just a whatever. I don't, we I, actually, we just have no idea what that was. We not. I it, really, it could have just been a no. tribal thing. It could have been. Yeah. Uh, could have been anything. Right. But I think the the point of this, um, because he goes into saying like when that person said my truth, um, or he they also say like private truth is making serious headway against public truth. The headway is beginning to impact science as we see. Um. So basically, it's saying that. People's people are having these understandings or like this, this is what I consider my truth. Therefore, you should consider, you know, this is my truth. That's why I'm doing this. Whether and it doesn't really matter what that person did or who did what. The point is that it's more of like this collective understanding where it's like, well, this is my truth. So this is why I'm teaching this, you know, but is it really based on science? So now that we're, you know, could be shifting into it's the question this article is raising is mainstream science now starting to look at things within the occult world as like possible truths. Could they be, you know, using this as a way of like, Oh, we're going to now teach this in classes and schools and everything else. And will it become like become part of a normal thing of society in the future? So I don't know, but We'll see. You know, I mean, I think it would be silly of science to not recognize that the history of alchemy 
gave birth to sciences today. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of history there. Now, I'm not saying I believe in doing witchcraft or anything like that. I'm just saying that there's a lot of things that led to how science became how it, it became with. Yeah. Again, and now again, with that said, um, this kind of feels really strange. Like, oh, uh, this is my truth. So now it needs to be your truth kind of stuff. Like I identify as this truth <laughs> or like whatever. And it's like bleeding over that's into cool. science. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that, that's a good way of saying it. Cause it's like, well, you know, because they keep telling us like, you know, we have to trust the science in this regard, but it's like, if someone, but, we is, can't, but absolutely we can't trust the science after 2020 and things have been so yeah. strange with science. Like they're recognizing things that they normally would never recognize as you know, anyway, the point is like, no, that's exactly the it. lines are getting very blurred now. So this is just a strange, yeah. odd kind of conversation to be coming up in the first place. You know, yeah. the science was created to try to provide objectivity in a more subjective religious world. And for better or worse, I mean, it's gone way extreme now. I mean, it is, it is crazier than, and more structured than any religion ever was. It is a religion. And people <laughs> that tell you that, right. that, that it's not have not studied religions and how they formed and how they operate because it, it clearly is one. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like the doctors are all kind of the, the clergymen. You have to go to school. They have, like, yeah, Stephen them. Hawking was their pope for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate it, to it's like, like you point this out, but you cannot like, break from canon. And if you do, you get persecuted, you get yeah. dragged through the media. It's right. Like you're not. It's like, well, you're not a scientist, so therefore you can't say these things. Only a scientist could actually say. It's you know, got, come yeah, up it has its own strange things they tell themselves about what the truth is. You know, uh -huh. I mean, look at this. Yeah, a perfect example of someone doing really good work in the sciences. Yeah, Ancient Apocalypse is the most dangerous show on Netflix. Define dangerous. <laughs> Define. I think there are much more crazy satanic shows on netflix that are way more dangerous for young eyes than someone trying to figure out when a pyramid or a ancient like unesco site actually was built that's exactly it that's exactly <laughs> it like that, like the most dangerous show like you like this is why people don't trust media or science anymore is because right. y'all are being so extreme about everything all the time that we have no way of like knowing whether you're being serious when something actually happens i know that that's uh, it exactly and, and, and it's like well because you're you, you know we are the scientists we we are the ones that know so it's like okay so exactly that's 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 it right there and speaking of uh yeah Ancient archaeology. You want to you want to talk about this one, Rob? Yeah. So archaeologists keep finding strange ancient objects with a mysterious purpose. Now that's the that's this. Yeah. Now this is a dodecahedron, which is in and of itself insanely advanced that anyone would even know what that is mathematically. Like just just looking at this thing is a miracle. Just so that you know, anybody at home looking at this. All right. Now archaeologists have been unearthing mysterious twelve sided metal objects across Europe for some 300 years, but they're no closer to knowing what they were for. So-called Roman dodecahedra are 12-sided shapes cast from some kind of metal alloy, with each having a hole connecting to a hollow center. 
They're surprisingly similar looking, but have just enough of variation in size and design to puzzle archaeologists. The most recently discovered copper alloy dodecahedron was unearthed in 2023 by amateur archaeologists in a farmer's field near the English village of Norton Disney. Yeah, that's the name of the village, just so you know. So there's currently no definitive evidence about what the objects were used for that hasn't that hasn't stopped researchers, excuse me, from publishing close to 50 different theories that it was a weapon measuring measuring device, a toy, a decoration, a candle holder, or even an instrument of cosmic power. Some think they represent different kinds of atoms with electrons orbiting. So there's a lot of theories out there about what these are. Yeah, and, I was going to say, maybe it's all a child's play toy at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> building blocks. <laughs> you know, it could be like a giant's like toy. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, it could literally be anything. Like it could be a toilet component. You don't know. No, it's you true. Know? Yeah, well, um, but either but way. But a dodecahedron is a very specific thing, mathematically. Yeah. Like they're very special. So, I mean... This could be something more that we're looking at that we just don't understand because the things that were populating it are no longer, they've all, you know, rotted away or whatever. Exactly. Yes. All right. Well, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Before we jump to Kirk Cobain, um, Tom, I just happened to see this earlier. Oh, yeah. Tom McDonald <laughs> and Ben Shapiro. <laughs> hey, I, okay. For, for the record. I do have to give Ben Shapiro some credit. He was better than I thought he'd be. Actually, I, I was surprised too. I, I have to admit. Still, you know, still though, it, it's still Ben Shapiro rapping. I know. It's, it's a little cringe, but this song <laughs> is number one no, and, on and, iTunes right now. And awesome. also, this is me not hating on Ben Shapiro. I think it's great. I'm glad he did it, and I yeah. wouldn't change a thing about it. No, I wouldn't either. And, and, uh, you know, it's so funny because, uh, yeah, he, his, yeah, his post, he's like, I just want to thank God and comic Donald, my parents who paid for 15 years of classical violin lessons. So I could become the number one rapper in America. <laughs> that's great. That's a good, that's a good post. That's funny. It's like, it's like he just jumped to number one. He like beat Eminem on, uh, on, um, Britney Spears and, there's a few others that they're there. So we, we can play a little bit where the, where, where he's rapping. Okay. That's pretty funny. Definitely check that out if you haven't. They always do a great job. Uh, everything he puts out is just so well done. <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, it's amazing though. They get they're they're uh 
they won't know for uh, another week to, to see if they've reached Billboard number one, but they're definitely number one on iTunes right oh, now. Oh, for sure. They're yeah. blowing everybody out of the water. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it really Which just goes it, to show you that the... I really think everyone's thinking like, oh, you know, the the vast majority of people in the United States are not backing certain things. But when you actually look at the numbers that are out there, when they slip through the goalie like that, you get an idea of how many people are not subscribing to what the MSM is putting out. That's exactly That's, it. I'll just I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. I won't say more. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's like you're, you're exactly right. You know, I mean, even uh, I think Taylor Swift, it was at number three and they're at number one. And it's like, wow, you know, not. And it's like, look, like mainstream music, like people on both sides, no matter what your political perspective is, you still kind of, you know, it's like, well, I still listen to this person, even though I don't really, you know, maybe like their views or whatever, you know, but, but it's like, you're right. Like something like this comes out and it's like, you know, people, it really shows like. Man, if the entertainment industry paid attention, they could start making a lot of money. They're not interested by, in that. Dude, dude have you watched a MTV Music Awards recently? Uh, I mean, these people, they are on another planet now. Totally. With what they, You know, all these people out there, if you go on Instagram and TikTok, they're like, why don't, why don't white people write any more good music? And it's because it, it's like, what, like people haven't stopped writing good music. People in general, white or not. Haven't stopped writing good music. The good music now is being replaced by people who are signing contracts and then writing and delivering trash. That's what's getting pushed because that's all these corporations and all these record labels are pushing because they're taking direction from their, what I call their tyrannical senior overlords. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It really is. And it's really sad. And speaking, you know, it may start thinking about the Super Bowl, you know, even more. And like, I guarantee you the chiefs are going to be in the Super Bowl because they need, especially now they need Taylor Swift there. So right. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know if this is going to be rigged or whatever, but all I know is that they're, they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that it's like not even having the chiefs there. It's like, we need Taylor Swift here. So yeah. So I, I, I'm just, I'm, I would put money on it. That's how confident. Yeah, I, am I mean, there. it would be interesting if they got in because like KC probably should not have been in the Super Bowl. I would be more likely to think that everything was staged if they got in because it just seems too convenient, you know, too yeah. convenient, too convenient. I agree. All right, Kurt Cobain, why don't we get into this a little bit? I don't have to get into all this entire backstory. I kind of wrote out a lot of backstory, but okay. So what, what happened was today they, they released his autopsy report uh, for the first time ever. And okay. So to kind of like, Rob, do you kind of remember what happened? Like what, what, what were your, like when all this happened, do you remember like where you were or were you affected? By I, just, I remember panel? seeing the headlines on, um, was it like MTV news? Like the, you know how they had like the MTV breaking news with Kurt Loader. Yeah. MTV news. Yeah. <laughs> right. It came on and they talked about Cobain dying and I was like, Oh man, like we were all talking about it, of course. And, you know, I just remember <clears throat> I wasn't into Cobain specifically as much as other people were. Yeah. But I remember all of us were just like, this is wild. And, you know, it had to do with, 
him overdosing. And there was a lot of discussion about what really happened, whether he really OD'd. Courtney Love was involved. I mean, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, Dave Grohl wouldn't even talk about it. And like, that's where everyone got like, okay, he knows something and he's not talking. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What, that, what did, we don't know what Dave Grohl knows. That's the thing. Dave Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. He started Foo Fighters afterwards and became very, very, like, very successful. Um, in, in some ways, in some aspects, Foo Fighters is almost more successful than Nirvana. You know, I, I think oh, like... He totally. He, he yeah. templatized. But, and he, they've stayed pretty true to their sound. I'm not mm -hmm. commenting on them and their character. Dave Grohl is very talented as well. I mean, he... He did all the parts for the first album himself. He drummed, he played guitar, he sang, yeah, he did yeah, it, and put great. it together. Yeah. And then that, like, people just loved that he did that. Mm. And, you know. Speaking of another Mandela effect, my brother and I remember two totally different things about Dave Grohl. What I remember is that, and I remember hearing him on MTV talking about how he was too, too scared to tell Kurt Cobain that he wrote some music. And that he finally had the courage to do it. And when, when he told Kurt Cobain, he like, Kurt Cobain like kissed him <laughs> on the cheek or something. And he was like really relieved because he thought he was going to be like, Kurt would be like, what are you doing? You know, are you like going behind my back and like writing music or something? And oh, doing Kurt something doesn't care about that. But no, no. So, and then my brother remembers it in, in which is now that didn't happen. And I'm like, wait, I, I, and like other people I know remember this. And now it was just like, it wasn't a big deal. He was just like, oh yeah, I wrote some music. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, it didn't happen that way. I don't, I, definitely I, like, don't I didn't, I don't remember any of that. I just remember, mm -hmm. I remember Grohl being like the craziest drummer ever back then. Yeah, he was. Like, he was just nuts. And they were like, we'll never find another drummer like Dave. That was the main thing. Cause he was just <laughs> totally nuts. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, they, he never left. And then, well, until, you know, once, once Kurt died, that's when, okay, I'm going to, I mean, yeah, they dispersed. Yeah. yeah. But okay. So there was a couple okay. So here's, there's a lot of controversy re revolving around everything, you know, and, and how the Seattle police department handled all mm. of this, which is, which is probably one of the, one of the biggest I don't want to say, I don't know if I should say plot holes or gaps in this whole entire thing. It was just strictly how, how the, how the Seattle police department handled this. But so the, like, uh, I think it was a couple weeks before his death. He actually had an overdose in Rome and everyone was really scared. And, yeah. and then that's why he flew back and he went to rehab. And one of the big things that in, so he was in rehab and he got out on April 1st and there's like conflicting reports about what, what Courtney said and, and what happened. So Courtney actually hired a, her own private investigator named um, Tom Grant. And Tom Grant is the one that made the movie soaked in bleach, which is a, a you know, a right. theme from, from, uh, it's this lyric in um, one of their songs. Um, I can't even think of which. I think "Come as You Are" maybe. But anyway, so so she hired him, and by the end of the investigation, you know all these things that kind of happen. He 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 
he started really just looking at all the facts. And so what started, so like April 1st, Kurt got out of rehab and he was, uh, he, he didn't escape. He actually got uh, dis- discharged. It was like, oh, hey, you know, you're done. Everything's cool. So he left, he signed out. Um, and there was even a message from uh, a person who was at the facility that said that Kurt didn't seem to be um, suicidal. Like that was their conclusion. Like he seemed to be okay. So April 2nd, he arrives in Seattle early Saturday morning and he was taken to his house by a driver. And so Saturday night, um, Courtney hasn't heard from Kurt. So she started getting freaked out. She's been trying to call him. She can't reach him. That's initially why she hired Tom because she's like, I don't know where Kurt is. We can't get a hold of him. Can you go find him? So, so Courtney planted a phony story in the press that she had an overdose and was in the hospital, but it was a fake story. And she later came out and said it was fake with the purpose that she was trying to get Kurt's attention because he wasn't contacting her and she didn't know where he was. And so she was like, well, I'll just fake an overdose and that way he has to contact me, but he still never contacted her. By April 3rd, Courtney was saying that someone was using Kurt's car credit card and she specifically asked Tom to find out who it was. And she, she had the card, um, like she reported the card, like missing or stolen or whatever. So, um, that way no one could use it, but throughout the next few days, somebody was continually trying, continuously trying to use that card, even though it was blocked. So, um, so Tom again is, is the, is the Tom Grant. He's the one that, that, um, I have a question. How is someone walking into a store like Walmart on the West coast with a credit card that says, Kurt Cobain on it and keeping yes. a straight face about who they yeah. actually are while they're trying to use it. Right. And what, so the conclusion that Tom came to was that it was Courtney that had this card. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. Courtney oh. also said that, that, Tom, that Kurt was like hopeless. He couldn't do anything alone. She's like the quote that he said was that Kurt could even hire a cab if he wanted to without someone helping him. And that he, he, um, and then also she was complaining because Kurt turned down a um they were going to play at Lollapalooza and I guess there were, she was really angry at him because it was going to be nine a $9 million contract and he said he didn't want to do it. <laughs> so, Kurt Cobain. It's Kurt Cobain. We'll get into all of that, yeah. So um all right, so why don't we show a trailer, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll get into like the nuts and bolts of this of this autopsy report and what exactly happened. Indeed. Less than a mile from shore, the Loch Ness monster was spotted. The Iverness Courier newspaper reported in 1933. There, the creature disported itself, rolling and plunging for fully a minute, its body resembling that of a whale, and the water cascading and churning like a simmering cauldron. Soon, however, it disappeared in a boiling mass of foam. Both onlookers confessed that there was something uncanny about the whole thing. 
for they realized that here was no ordinary denizen of the depths. Because apart from its enormous size, the beast taking the final plunge sent out waves that were big enough to have been caused by a passing steamer. Are Loch Ness Monster sightings real? Do beasts lie beneath the waves of the sea? Join Edge of Wonder for a deep dive into the cryptids of the abyss. Lindsay, did you show that trailer because you think Kurt Cobain is now a cryptid of the abyss or something? <laughs> oh, okay. Ben, tell us a little bit about that series. Oh, yeah. So this is a whole uh, our, our cryptids of the seas episodes that we did. It was a series of like four or five episodes that we made. Everything from Loch Ness Monster to really breaking down Aleister Crowley and him living at Loch Ness and all the weird things he did from the weird things about eels, weird facts about octopuses, and uh, all the weird and strange things. And the lot, did you know there was a Loch Ness monster in America, even? And the what? What's in the lakes here in the U.S.? At least, at least one. Yeah, at least one. And so, um, yeah, we we cover a little bit of everything, and including we touch on mermaids too. So there's a little bit of everything in these episodes. They're a really great series. So and you can find those only on Rise TV. So check that out. All right. Check. Tell me a bit about Kurt Cobain here. What's going on? Yeah. So, okay. So kind of make a long story short, basically in the long run on, um, you know, he, he, so days are going by this private investigators looking everywhere for Kurt. Courtney keeps telling him like, Oh, go check these hotels. Go like, he's looking everywhere in LA. So then he decides to like, okay, I'm just going to go to Seattle to see if he's home. And she said, okay, don't tell anyone you're going. But right before he left, she called their friend. His name was Callie and his name is Michael um, do it. And, and he was kind of like the, they called him the male nanny who kind of took care of everything around here, around his, around his home and whatnot. And so, um, so then while he on his way there, she called him and said he was coming. And so he was kind of confused as to why he told her. So he Wait, said, was confused why um, who told him? Tom, Tom was confused why she called Callie because originally they didn't want anyone to know that he was going. So Tom and just like recently, like even that week, they installed a security system. And so Tom called uh, Dylan, who was best friends with Kurt and they were able to get into the house. And he said, everything was like super clean. The, um, the TV was even on, you know, they looked everywhere for Kurt. They couldn't find him. So meanwhile, Courtney calls a missing person report, but she calls in as Kurt's mother, not as Courtney to file the report. So that's another Why? weird, that's another weird fact. And then still during this time, someone was using Kurt's card. Um, so then, so then while Tom was looking around the house, this is already April 6th. Now, mind you, he's already dead by this point. So she, he's like, you know, he's trying to find Kurt 
Dylan runs off, has a phone call with Courtney. So Dylan is, is Kurt's friend again, like best friend. So Tom's waiting for Dylan, you know, Dylan gets done with the phone call and Tom asks him, is there anywhere else in this house that we haven't checked? And he said, no. So they're like, okay, you know, so, um, so then they left now, um, Courtney. So, so anyway, so Courtney, so originally she, he asked Courtney, why don't you come with me to Seattle? And she's like, no, I can't because I, I have some business to do later. It was confirmed by Kurt and Courtney's um, business, like our PR person that she had no business to attend to. She's like, she had, there's nothing, nothing going on on her schedule. Like mm -hmm. she could have very easily went with you. I don't understand why she didn't go. So, um, April 8th, the call was finally made and the body, Kurt's body was found. And even, even up until that day that he was found, his credit card was still trying to be used. So this, this is after that it stopped being used. Um, so Tom, again, the, the, the person that Courtney hired, he met with Rosemary Carroll, which is their PR person collectively. It was the Kurt and Courtney's PR person. And she said that Kurt called her and she, according to what she said, and he has this, he has a phone call recorded with this. She said that from her understanding, he didn't sound suicidal at, at all, but actually called her because he wanted to find a, um, he wanted to get a divorce and Courtney called her as well and her exact quote was, I want to find the meanest, most vicious divorce lawyer you can find. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah. So then, um, in that's, Kurt, that's yet. she asked him about it and he said, wait, no. what did you say? Kurt, what? Kurt didn't complete his will yet at this point. Mm -hmm. So Kurt didn't have a will when he died. Um, that was also the other weird thing. Now, the, the body was found and immediately, immediately, as soon as the body was found, the media was alerted. A police spokesperson came and said, yes, they did confirm it was Kurt Cobain. They, they found him dead. Um, she, she didn't say anything about murder or suicide except for the note. She said there was a suicide note. And Tom called the police department or no, he went there. He showed up in person as they were doing investigations. And he's like, Hey, I was here the night before. Do you want to talk to me? And they're like, no, it's okay. And he called Dylan and he's like, why didn't you tell me that Kurt was in, in the, um, cause they found him in the greenhouse, which is above the garage. And he's like, why didn't you tell me we searched the whole house and you never told me to, that there was an extra place. I even asked you and he's like, well, it was just for storage. And, and you know, there the, it's cold up there. I didn't think anything was going to be up there, but then he thought maybe had something to do with the conversation that him and Courtney had. So anyway, the police come in, they immediately are like, there's a suicide note within a day. They, they label it as a suicide. The problem is there was five different police officers that were coming and going that actually moved things around. One thing they moved around was initially the first report was that Kurt's wallet was open and his ID was out. And 
the official statement was that, oh, he did that so people would recognize no recognize him that it was him. Later, it was, wasn't until a week later, a police officer came forward and said, oh, no, that was me, actually. I took it out, I took it out of his back pocket to find out what was going this is on. This weird, too. So, yeah, then they said the whole room was barric- that he barricaded himself in. And then when you see the original, the, the police photos that, that came out, all it was, was a, was a broken stool in front of a door. <laughs> so it wasn't barricaded in the other weird thing was that, so this is the reason. So now we can talk about this autopsy. The reason why this autopsy is kind of big is because it mentions that one and it's it kind of mentions it in passing that he had two that he had I don't want to say two that he had plane tickets in his wallet in his pocket in his pocket and he had some money in his pocket and it also mentioned that the shotgun was still in his hand when they brought him in. This is something that Wait, that the shotgun was still in Kurt's hand when when they brought who in when they brought Kurt's body in his shotgun he was still holding a shotgun. This is this is one fact that a lot of people are trying to say this is a, like literally the smoking gun here, because if you shoot yourself with a shotgun, it's not staying in your hand. Like, you know, I mean, that that thing is it's it, it's strong, right? Especially I mean, you, it's you know, so Tom's conclusion is that he thinks somebody shot him and then put the gun in his hand. Oh, and where was the gunshot? Cause if you have your shotgun, it's going to be, on yeah, it was, it was in his mouth. That. Yeah, it was. Well, I think it, I can't remember. Cause now, now I'm hearing two different things. It was like one, I thought it was in his mouth. The other one was like underneath here. And then he shot. Like, I think he might've shot like that. Um, well, that's what they said. Um, but the other weird thing is that they did the autopsy so they immediately ruled it as suicide. They did the autopsy right away. And then the body was cremated within six days. The, the toxicity, toxicity report still- Toxicity? Yeah. yeah, toxicity report still didn't come back yet. So this is the other weird factor. When it finally came back over, like it was almost two weeks later when it came back, they said that Kurt's body had enough heroin in it for- for someone to, for, for three times the normal overdose. So I, I, it came back as like 1.5 milligrams and and it's like 0.4 is enough to kill somebody. So they said that that was the other thing that was kind of weird that Tom mentioned. He said, you know, it's kind of strange him because at that point it would be really hard to function and get a shotgun. The other thing was one of the conflicting reports said that he bought the shotgun after he got out of rehab, but Dylan, his friend actually confirmed it. And they found receipts later that he bought it before he went to rehab. And there was three bullets in the gun. You mean, okay. Mm -hmm. Tom's understanding was that that was for protection because, you know, he, he, he was still living in the same house and a lot of weird things were happening. And and that's why he set up a secure one to set up a security camera and why he wanted to get a gun which now all makes sense. So this, this is where things kind of start getting really weird. Now, what's super fascinating is that uh, a pol- he's now retired, but this, this, uh, he's a police commission or commander, Neil Lowe. 
when this autopsy report came out, he made a post on X and he, he wrote this. My novel, Crazy Love, takes a hard look at this case. I utilize fictional names to tell what I believed happened. And the more I study this case, the more I'm convinced it wasn't a suicide. I would like the ME office to change their finding to undetermined. Tom Grant has endorsed my version of the story as encouraging me to write a true crime version of oh, and set the record straight. Mm. And um, so, Lindsay, can we can we play this this audio? It's kind of a rough audio, but um, and it's about six minutes in, and it's just it's just a, it's just like a minute or so. But he kind of there, there's and the person interview so they're they're talking about true crime stuff and this person is interviewing um, Commander Neil, but he doesn't really know much about this Nirvana case or Kurt Cobain because his responses are just kind of like uh huh like he just doesn't know what to say mm-hmm. and I'm like dude this is like the best part of the interview and you don't even you don't even know like what you got right here you know but anyway we'll play a little bit about this but um. Yeah, so then we'll, we'll get into some of the weird, some of the, the a couple other weird things here, but we'll play this first. Analysis to be able to figure out how this thing happened, and that's what I do in that story. Okay. Um, what particular uh, aspect of the Kurt Cobain uh, death investigation was the most surprising to you, would you say? Yeah, we can we can stop. It okay, there. so Ben, in your words, what do you think that audio meant? Yeah, so so the interesting thing when you we when you read the so-called suicide note, um, and really read the whole thing, this this is I'm not gonna we're not gonna read this whole thing. It it doesn't sound like a suicide note. 
Um, what he's basically summarizing in this is that after being on tour and, and playing so much and getting all this attention and just, you know, it's like overwhelming him to the point where it's like, it's not enjoyable anymore. He's, he's like saying he's having a hard time feeling like joy when he's up on stage because it's just like, there's so much going on. And then he just seems unhappy in his life in general. And he just got out of rehab and the note seems to be for more for the fans than anyone else. It's kind of like, Hey, I'm going to take a step back. And a lot of people suspect that he was going to go like hang out with and live with like Michael Stripe for a while for, of the singer from REM. Cause they were really good friends and just kind of take a step back from music. You know, that's why I think he didn't want to do Lollapalooza because it's just like, I, I just, he needed a break. I, he needed a break. It was like, I need to figure out myself. I need to like, just cut ties with everything and even Courtney, I think that was one of the main things that, that was there. Now, what happens is he signed off. He says his name, Kurt Cobain. Then underneath that, there's a, there's some stuff that he's saying to my wife and to my daughter. I'll always, I'm sorry, I can't walk with you down the aisle or something. And then he's like, I love you. I love you. And it's all caps. And then that's the end of the note. And it looks it looks very different. Now, what's interesting, what that what the police guy was saying is that in the original photo, see that blank spot, the blank space on the right of the, yeah. of, of the letter, there's nothing written on there. So the original photo, when the police took it, there's nothing there. It, it was later that Courtney wrote CAPTAIN in all caps. She wrote the word CAPTAIN that later on. So she's like, oh, I'll write this. And what he was saying is that when they were looking at how she wrote Captain to that looks like the handwriting at the bottom. Exactly. And, and like I said, why would, and, and he brought, he brought, he brings this up too later on when they're talking, he says, why would Kurt sign off on this and then continue writing? You know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so a lot of people were like this. And when you read it again, it doesn't sound like a suicide note. And a lot of people said that he didn't seem suicidal. He just was like ready for a massive change. Now, what's weird is that there's another note that Courtney had and she didn't tell anybody until three weeks after his death. And the, the other, and she found it, I guess, in his wallet, supposedly. And the second note was basically mocking their vows. Like he was just, he was just basically mocking Courtney love and saying like some bad things about her. And it was like, you know, you could tell that he was ready to like end this. Mm. So if you scroll down, I think Lindsay in that article, I think it, I think it has it in there. Um, somewhere, maybe, maybe not. I don't know what Ben. But can anyway. you explain what you're looking for. She's oh oh, it's, it's just it's what's all written on the note that she found. I, I don't. I, I'm sorry. It's not I it's I not in there. Yeah. Okay. They probably didn't want to show. It. It's just. I mean, he's just saying some really bad things. <laughs> anyway, and then what's even weirder is that the bassist for Hole, her name is Kristen um, um, Faf, I think is her name. Uh, she died. Uh, in June. So Kurt died in April and she died in June. 
And she was the bassist and she was found in the bathtub, allegedly died from an accidental overdose of heroin. The examiners, um, and this is the other weird thing, the same medical examiner and the same Seattle authorities were the exact same ones that handled the death of Kurt Cobain. So it was the exact same people that handled both cases. That's kind of weird. This is the bassist? Uh, that's she's showing. Yeah, this is the basis, but Lindsay's showing Kurt Cobain stuff. Kristen, just like Kurt also completed a drug rehab. They both went to rehab and that she was about ready to move out as well. And she was scared of Courtney. In fact, there's, there's a quote from her that, that said that she was upset with Courtney and that she said, Courtney is scary. And, um, then after her death, her mother found her diary and two pages were ripped it out, ripped out of the diary that were directly related to Kurt Cobain's death. So, and then going back to the autopsy report, they found plane tickets. So it's plural. It's not one. He had two plane tickets, one way plane tickets that he bought and there's speculation. And he, he called Kristen at one point, a beautiful soul. And they think that Courtney was very jealous. And so, um, but it looked, so from one perspective, it was like, oh, Courtney's kind of crazy. I'm going to take Kristen, you know, they're not saying that they were dating or anything, but it's just like, she wants to leave. I'm ready to leave. Why don't we just go somewhere? And then we could even like, maybe they were like, we'll just start a new band or whatever it is, you know, like maybe Kurt just wanted to, like it, there was rumors that he was going to even quit Nirvana and everything during that time. You know, they, they, they just played the New York unplugged right around that time. And, um, you know, so there's all these things that, that, that were kind of happening. So, um, the, the, the reason why, so kind of like, kind of, kind of summarizing things, the reason how Kurt's body was found was that, um, a call was made to install a security system in the green room. That was the only place that didn't have a security part. So they called them to be like, I would Can have you known smoke? that. Oh, someone who. Yeah. Knew that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. They didn't fingerprint the gun until one month later. <laughs> so that was the other thing. Okay. But the confusing thing here isn't yeah. everything you're saying. All of that makes sense. Why would the police be in on this? Yeah, that that's that's why would the police even consider supporting a psycho like that. Yeah, that's been the big question. You know, um, what is going on? Is there some kind of, you know, maybe for the police? I don't know. It's just easier writing it off as as a. Why Why is that easier? I don't get. I don't get that. Uh, Like, yeah, yeah, this is this has been a big question. Because if the police were involved, then this brings up a lot of big issues. Now, I don't know if they're directly involved or not, but the one thing we can say with absolute certainty is how they 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 didn't they they totally botched this whole entire thing. And then their PR person went out there saying it was like a suicide before any detective even got on the scene to even look at anything. So what is Lindsay saying something? No, I pulled something up that I want Lindsay to, to show okay. him about this end or something. Cause I always think of this for some reason, anytime I think of Courtney love, 
and it freaks me out every single time I look at it just because. So, Lindsay, open this up. This is at the 1999 Music Awards after Kurt's death when Courtney Love was like falling in love with Jim Carrey. Yeah. And he was really funny. I remember him being really funny with it. Remember oh, he yeah, this like is when he was like totally. Now like, watch her reaction to him. We're dressing up so pretty. Oh, yeah. There's some fine looking pussy in this room tonight, I'll tell you that. Much. Sorry, I didn't know he was going to say that. I forgot. These iconic moments brought the. Can you imagine him saying that now? <laughs> So he, like basically like Courtney was just going crazy. She was in hole at the time, her band, yeah. right? That was kind of like going well, around everywhere. That's sorry. That's the other thing. It's weird. Her album live through this, the whole album was released the same week that Kurt was found dead. Yeah. I mean, the, but the fact that she's having such a good time on the world stage when there's so much stacked up against her and what we're talking about is just frightening. Like, yeah. No, 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 not the point. The point is just like people are scary. Like <laughs> people are really scary. Like the the conspiracy theories around what had happened were ripe back then. They really were. People were talking about this. I remember. Yeah, they were. And because and, a lot of things didn't add up. Mm -hmm. Right. And there were there were like things coming out, even though back in the day it was a little harder than just posting something on YouTube. But it was it's just I don't know. People are scary. Like think about think about how often this has happened in our politics or throughout history, and people just go on living their life. Yeah, they're able. You know what I mean? Like they're able to live with themselves like that. You know, it's it's yeah, and and I'm not trying to say that she. You know, I, I mean, I don't think she. I really truly don't believe she pulled the trigger or anything. I don't think so either. But I think she was there was involvement here. Some yeah, type and, of you know. And with Tom, they asked him, like, are you worried that that Courtney's going to sue you, especially after he made the movie Soak and Bleach, which goes through all the evidence. And he's like, I want her to, because that way we can present our side of the evidence in court. <laughs> and right. he's like, but, you know, she's just going to ignore this because, you know, she just wants it to go away, not bring it more attention. But he's like, you know, I, I, I hope that somebody actually with authority can start looking into this and realize like, Hey, we should open this back up, you know? And so with that retired police, the police guy, but you know, you start, I was kind of wondering the same question, like what's going on? Like, why is the How could the, you know, if the Seattle police were involved, how could that be? Is there money involved where they promised money from somebody or something, you know, especially with Kurt Cobain and how much money he's worth. Um, Courtney Love got everything because he didn't have a, a will and they were married. So she got, and that's why she, to this day, she holds all the rights to the songs and everything else. And a lot of the fans were upset in the nineties because she said she found like a trove of, of, of unpublished music. And she's like, I just want to keep it for myself right now because you know, it's just, it's just for me or something. And everyone's like, dude, like he didn't write that for you. He wrote it for everybody. You know, I think slowly they started publishing things, but um, yeah. So I, I think in the long run, she just, I mean, either way, she knows the truth. She's like one of the only people out there that probably really literally know the truth. But now after what, everything that's going on in Seattle and Portland and everything, it doesn't quite, it's like, 
you know, maybe there's a connection there with all that stuff going on, but I don't know. You know, I, I go back and forth with this whole Kurt Cobain thing. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, you know, and then other times I look into stuff and, and then I'm like, you know, it just doesn't, things aren't adding up and it definitely yeah. changed. Well, I mean, it's lot, safe to say know? things, we don't know who, who was involved, who did it necessarily, mm -hmm. but like things are definitely not adding up especially with some of the things yeah. we looked at today and it doesn't look too good. That's yeah. the main thing. You know, that, that if there was like, if there was just like two or three things that, that don't line up, it's like, okay, you know, it's just maybe a coincidence. Right. But when all this stuff starts, nothing, nothing comes together. And then oh, on top and, of and that, okay, um, but here's, here's something yeah. also kind of incriminating. I, I would mm -hmm. say is that, if you were a person in your right mind and your husband was this guy who was the head of a band, would you take all of the, all of the, um, what do you call that rights to the music yourself? Or would you allow the band members in the band to also get, um, royalties from that? I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure they have, you know, I'm sure that, but that was you all. just said she has all rights to it. No, no. I think one of the things yeah. that I remember, I don't know if this yeah. is another Bendela effect or not, is that Dave Grohl had a serious problem with her. And I think it was mostly because of this, her taking, I, I, I think it was too. I think, it was, but I, I guess, I mean, it could I have mean, been a lot of things, but the, the, whatever agreement the band still had, I think that's one thing, but yeah, she is, I mean, dude, she could, she doesn't have to do anything in her life. You know, she could just live off the royalties from Nirvana forever, you know, literally from Kurt. But I, I think the main thing is like, yeah, it's like Kurt wanted to write her off everything and she got everything in the long run, you know? And I think that that's, and that's what it sounds like. And especially that letter that she found, it was, it was just mocking her, calling her a whore, you know, and just basically saying that it's like, he just wanted to end their marriage like as fast as possible. And, and then she didn't show that letter until three weeks after the investigation was over. And it's like, Oh, by the way, I had this letter. I forgot. It's like, wow. Yeah. So anyway, East is right. work here. yeah, really is. Okay. You guys, we're going to, we're going to jump over to um, only on rise.tv. We're going to leave rumble and Facebook or I don't even know where else we're streaming right now oh x and so join us for only nine or 12.99 a month and support our work and we have a free trial for just 99 cents if you go to rise.tv 97 cents what did i say 97 97 cents anyway yeah. <laughs> yes and um and, and we're gonna go over to rise tv where we will do our top 10 weirder news of the week that everyone loves and um, also, we have a live Q&A where you get to ask your questions directly in our live chat that Rob and I will answer. And we have, for our weirder news, we have the billions of cicadas that will be emerging this year. There we go. Um, <laughs> we have uh, the funny highway signs will not be there anymore. An Amish buggy goes missing in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> so that's such a like so much imagery comes up in my mind when you tell me a headline like that <laughs> a literal rat hole in chicago and the question have we just discovered aliens so join us over there All right
You've heard about cursed objects. You've heard about cursed places. What if the stories were real? King Tut's Tomb, Macbeth, The Omen, The Hope Diamond. Curses have fascinated us throughout time. But what if there's more to it? Some legends are just too crazy to ignore. Join Ben Solo as he uncovers the creepy and the weirdest top curses in history. Maybe omens and jinxes aren't so superstitious after all. <laughs>